Hello and happy Friday. Thank you for jumping on and joining me. If you're watching live, welcome. If you're watching later, I hope that you've had a fantastic day. I want to jump right in. I'm excited about what it is that we're going to be talking about this morning. I will tell you straight up, like, I'm on the journey with you. I, I don't know what this is all going to look like, but um, we're together in it. So let's just know that ahead of time. Um, I had two dreams this week. One was a few days ago and the other was last night. A few nights ago, I was absolutely exhausted. I think I was asleep before 10 and had only been asleep for maybe five minutes and um, had a dream that actually woke me up giggling. And um, it, it was very simple, very simple. Um, I was just standing and all of a sudden, fire came out of my feet and lifted me up from the, the ground. Now, I wasn't off the ground very far, but nonetheless, I was up off the ground. And I woke up and I was laughing. And of course, John was still awake because I seriously, this was before 10 o'clock. And um, I hadn't been asleep, but maybe a few minutes. And he's like, what is so funny? He's like, I was like, I just had a dream. He's like, already? Yes, I did. I had a dream very, very fast. And I told him and he's like, what? <laughs> anyway, so that was that was my first dream this week. And, and I'm not someone who dreams on a regular basis. And so I, I typically know to pay attention to what it is that's going on in my dreams. And then <clears throat> last night, I had the same dream over and over and over and over again. And um, I was um, I was getting ready for volleyball season in my dream. And um, for those of you that don't know, um, I, I used to I used to play volleyball, but then I also coached volleyball for a number of years. And um, so this is God always speaks to us by um, using things that are, are familiar to us, things that, that we are really intimately acquainted with. And, um, and, and that's what was going on here. Now, I had in my dream, I was reminiscing about the season that took place before. Now, I, in my dream, I'm not coaching. I am actually playing. Now, the, the season prior to the one that I was gearing up for, um, I personally did not have a good season. Um, this was just, you know, intimate knowledge of the dream or in the in the dream. And um, and so I was surveying the prior season and looking at things that I knew that I needed to specifically train for. Um, in my in the prior season, I did not jump well and I did not hit well. I didn't hit with the kind of impact that, that I wanted to. And again, God will use things that you can understand the intricate details of where you have strategy, knowledge of what it takes to get there, to, to be able to do the thing that you're wanting to do. Now, is God training me for volleyball? No, he's just using, and I want to give us this feedback because we need to understand how dreams work. Hi, honey. Um, that, that we, um, that God uses familiar things to get us thinking in the right direction. And so the two things that I knew that I needed to really train for was to increase my, my vertical, to be able to hit with more power. And, um, and so I started even my dream thinking about, okay, what does this look like? What, what, how, 
How do I need to work my body out to be able to accomplish those two things? And and that was basically, that was the dream. And, and I knew that things had to change with what I was currently doing to be able to accomplish the goal. Why am I telling you this? Because what we did last season isn't going to work for the season we're walking into. It is going to require that we do things differently in our day-to-day lives to be able to accomplish what it is that the Lord has for us to accomplish. And it will require doing things differently with our bodies in order to accomplish the goals that he has set for us. I want to look at Psalm 144. Um. And we're just going to, we're going to read through this, but I, I am just going to read the first two verses and then I'm going to look at a couple different translations. But first we're in the CSB, Psalm 144. And this is so fascinating, you guys, because it is believed that David wrote this song before killing Goliath. He, he was writing this Psalm as he was considering the battle that was ahead. Okay. This is what he says. Blessed be the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for battle and my fingers for warfare. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for battle and my fingers for warfare. He is my faithful love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. He subdues my people under me. Wow. Let's read it in the Passion Translation. There is only one strong, safe, and secure place for me. It's in God alone, and I love him. He's the one who gives me strength and skill for the battle. He's my shelter of love and my fortress of faith who wraps himself around me as a secure shield. I hide myself in this one who subdues enemies before me. What does it mean to subdue? It means to take control of. Right. And if it's if it's God who's taking control, you better believe that they are fully taken control of. They are completely captured when God does it. Right. OK, let's read it in the in the um, the message. Blessed be God, my mountain, who trains me to fight fair and well. He's the bedrock on which I stand, the castle in which I live, my rescuing night, the high crag where I run for dear life. While he lays my enemies low. Okay, we get the point, right? Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for battles and my fingers for warfare. What is David doing here? He he is setting the scene for himself. He is releasing praise prior to going into a physical battle. Where do you think your battle begins? In praise. Our battle has always got to begin in releasing praise. We know that the, the, that the Bible tells us that we are to lift up a sacrifice of praise. Are you always going to feel like releasing praise? Most of the time you're not. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. But here's what else we know is that He is enthroned. Christ is enthroned on the praises of his people. So what is David doing? He has intimate knowledge of who God is and he begins to release it. This is is one of David's first, first 
major things that, that he accomplishes is going in because nobody else wants to fight him. Hi, Anne-Marie. Nobody else wants to fight Goliath. And David is the least of these. Everyone knows it except for David because David has already made a solid agreement with who he is in Christ, in the Lord. This is phenomenal. And so he, he not only has knowledge of who he is, but he is more intimately acquainted with who God is on his behalf. And he just, he just releases it. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for battle. Is that how you are entering into your daily battles? Is that how you are training yourself right now? I I do not have identified what it is that I'm walking into, but I'm not so sure that that matters because I know that there is a battle ahead. I know that we are being trained for something specific to conquer. I do know that it has everything to do with land, taking back what is, is rightfully ours, clearing out the squatters, the demonic squatters that are on our land in our nation. But I don't know the specifics of it. But I do know that warfare looks like releasing praise even when we don't want to. Acknowledging who he is before we actually enter in. Before it's hands-on, we have to release a sacrifice of praise so that he is rightfully enthroned prior to accomplishing anything on our own. If we do not first acknowledge the victory and we attempt to combat on our own without acknowledging that the victory is already won. All glory goes to man. And that is fleeting. All glory has to remain with Christ. That is where that is what we glory in. It is the only thing that is lasting is by releasing praise unto him. Okay trying to decide whether I want to read the rest of this right now or move on. Decisions, decisions. We'll get back to it. Okay. So <laughs> something super silly happened um, this week and um, it, it was, someone was um, laying out what their current problem was and I, th I just had this thought enter my mind. I was like, oh, oh my, my gosh, like, can we trade problems? Have you ever done that? And because it was so meaningless what it was that, that was being heightened and acknowledged and mold over and, and, and given way too much credence, honestly. And, um, and I thought, can we, can we trade problems? Because, I like yours. I like your problem better than I like mine. And, and so here I am like a, a couple days later and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's it. Like we can trade problems. The, the, the problem that was, that was being highlighted to that person was big for that person because they don't have the same knowledge and the same gifting and the same skills that I have. And so to me, that was simplistic 
and meaningless because it's easy for me to get under that problem and bring resolution to it. Are you following me? Now, if we were all just a little more um, transparent and willing to share what it is that's going on, there might be somebody that surrounds us and be like, oh my gosh, that's not even a thing. Like I can get under that and have it resolved in a matter of minutes. Are you following me? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like the problems that we have might be waiting for us, but if we were to be in community and if we really valued union and oneness, we would be able to share that thing and somebody else is going to get under it and be like, this is, I don't know why you're spending any time releasing any kind of anxiety or worry or fear over this thing because this is not a thing. I got this, you know? And that was my response to this problem that was being released. And I'm like, what? Like, that's, that's, that's not even a problem. Like, why are you, I mean, honestly, why are you whining? That's, that was my thoughts. I'm, I'm just being honest. Don't judge me. Because I have the solutions. You see, this is what community looks like. This is what the body of Christ is being brought into. This is the invitation, you guys. That the problems that I carry that are weighty for me can easily be resolved from somebody else in my life and vice versa. I have the answer. I hold the solution to what it is that feels so heavy and weighty on you. Let me get under it with you and I can bring resolution to it in a matter of moments. Right? Is this good? I hope that this is freeing us from some of the things that are, that are, are weighing so heavy on us. We aren't supposed to just be the answer to our own issues. He's equipping us all to get under and become the solution. Right? That's why we are also unique. So unity and oneness, being one body, doesn't mean that we all look alike. Doesn't mean that we all operate the same. It means we're willing to bring the solution to the other parts of the body. Yeah? Okay. Um, okay, so something else that happened this week that this has been, my week has been, um, it's been full of, of revelation and um, which, which is fun, but also requires responsibility, right? Like, how do I steward this God? And so this is me like taking pieces of a puzzle and, and cramming them all together, trying to make sure that they all fit. So, um, so you, you're invited to come and journey with me as I put this puzzle together. What we are going through is part of our testimony that can help free others. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you, Marie. Okay. So I was playing cards with John, my husband, um, earlier this week. We were playing Rummy. Now, if you're not familiar with the game, you kind of have to have a plan as you go. And and there, there's lots of different things that are going on on the table. You have to pay attention to the discard pile, to the things that you have laid out, to the things that the other players have laid out, and what's in your hand. And in the middle of this game, Holy Spirit just simply says, I want in, let me play. And I was like, okay. And I knew when, when, when God does these kinds of things, I knew that he was about to teach me something that I didn't already know. And, um, and that this was also a test in, are you going to 
be obedient even in this. I, I like it. Um, Jeff Duncan on Sunday was talking about petty obedience. The things that God is, is asking us to do that seem super meaningless, but it's all unto training for what it is that's coming. And that's kind of what this was. You know, there it's not high stakes for God to want to play rummy. Can we all agree on that? But what I learned from it will be a value in a high stakes scenario. Yes. So in this petty obedience, and I like it that, that I like how that that is worded because it really puts it in its place. Like when you're at the grocery store and God says, hey, no, don't leave that cart there. Go put it back. Right. Or or, hey, go pick up that piece of trash. I know it's not yours, but I would like the parking lot clean. Right. Um, that would be petty obedience. In fact, the other day I was at the grocery store and um, and God is like wanting to be super involved in every decision that I'm making right now. And he says to me, pick the cart on the left. Well, because of the direction that I was facing, <laughs> I chose the cart on the right compared to with the direction that God was facing. So he's just wanting to be in the details, friends. And so I grabbed this cart and, and I push it in and I am down an aisle. And he's like, you know, full well, that is not the cart that I ask you to take. And I was in this serious dilemma and I realized this does seem petty. I'm like, am I actually going to go and take this cart back and get the one that he wanted me to take? Well, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> And in, it, I, for whatever reason, it it will serve me sometime in the future to do those kinds of things. So I turned my little self around, went back out to where the carts are, passed the lady monitoring the front door. She's like looking at me like, what are you doing? And and my hope was like, do you ever create scenarios in your mind? Like I'm trying to like control her mind. Mind control is illegal, but I was trying to do it. I was like, there's just something wrong with the cart. <laughs> like, pay attention to me. Anyway, so I did it. I took the cart back and I got the one he wanted me to get. Did it make a difference in, in, in my shopping experience? No, that wasn't the point. It was about being obedient in all of the things. Okay, so back to my game of rummy. And so here I am. This is not how I play the game. And I'm pretty much always beat by John because he is very strategic in, in, in the way that he plays games and he's just better than me. There, I said it, gloat. Um, so God is not wanting me to pay attention to anything that I'm normally paying attention to. He won't even let me put my cards in order. He just wants me to hear his voice and obey. And so that's what I'm doing. My cards are not in order. I'm not paying attention to John's cards that are laid out. I'm not paying attention to the discard pile. And he's just saying things like keep the king, get rid of the four. And so this is what I'm doing. And I'm playing the entire game this way. I don't say anything to John. I actually don't even know if I told him this. But this is what God starts saying to me because I'm starting to like get frustrated because the strategy that I would use, he is overriding. And this is what he says. He says, strategy isn't born from what makes sense to you. It crowns when yielding to my voice. I'm going to say it again because this is really important. Strategy isn't born from what makes sense to you. It crowns when yielding to my voice. I'm going to read it one more time. Strategy isn't born from what makes sense to you. It 
crowns when yielding to my voice, which tells me that where we are going, the only strategy that we can lean into is yielding to his voice, radical obedience. And Vince yesterday was highlighting for me when this year, so we have a set of what's called boundary lines. Other other people would use terminology like values. And so in our organization, we call them boundary lines because we love the scripture that says, for my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. David said that in the Psalms. And um, and for, for us, it made more sense to call them boundary lines because it's what holds us. And um, one of ours is, is um, radical obedience. And he said to me that he's like, Angie, do you realize that that, that was the, the boundary line that God highlighted at the beginning of the, the year? And I was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't put two and two together. That that was the one thing that we knew God was saying that radical obedience was going to be the thing that he was highlighting this year. And holy cow, it so has been. And I'm glad that we had strategy up front to be able to say like, this is our marker. This is the thing that he said. Now, do we always look at the things that God is saying and really investigate them knowing like, okay, so radical obedience, if we're really going to lean into that, that's not fluffy. So we could have actually looked at that with, with a, a more clear eye and said, you know what, in order to have radical obedience, we are about to be sharpened. And sharpening is a violent act. It means it's it's like driving off things that no longer belong on us it, through heat, right? Like that's what the iron sharpens iron means. It's it, through heat we will be sharpened, and 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 that is exactly what has happened. And so. radical obedience is still what's on the table. God is still going after this thing and he's wanting us to yield to his voice so that strategy can come forth. Is strategy going to, his strategy, is his strategy going to make sense to us? Probably not. Did it really matter to me what cart I chose? No, but it mattered to the Lord. Does my understanding play a part in that? Doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. I don't have to have the understanding on that. I have to be obedient. The under, the understanding will come later. And so um, the other thing that I feel like, like God wants us to look at is when heat is turned up and we start to feel disjointed within ourselves, we immediately are looking for a place to pin the blame. Now, this is another one of our boundary lines, and we just simply call it blameless problem solving. And let me read to you what that says. Blameless problem solving. Apply creativity to navigate solutions rather than looking to pin the blame. With an unpunishable concept, mistakes are risks with great potential that we value and celebrate. That's what this is going to require. See, this radical obedience immediately flows into risk. Are we going to risk missing it because we defaulted to radical obedience? Yes, the answer is yes. Shake your head, yes. Put in the comments, yes. Thumbs up, I'm game, I'm in, right? Like we are going to risk failing for the glory of obeying quickly. 
And we are talking about quick obedience here. And that's what, that's what, listen, I challenge you, go play a game, go play a game of cards and let Jesus be in control of your end of it. You want to know how controlling you are and how much say you want in this thing? Go play a game of cards and let his voice be in control of everything that you do. Now, let me just go ahead and point back to that. My And I think our scoreboard is still up there. Um, my, my score doubled. I didn't win, but my score doubled through the, I think I played three hands by allowing him to, to be in control of my cards. And my score doubled every single time. It hurt a little bit. My ego was just a little crushed. But isn't that the point? Isn't that what he's doing right now? He's ridding us of our ego so that we can be faith people. So that we can, I won. Oh, look, look who's playing as unedited of life this morning. <laughs> that is my husband, everyone. <laughs> he did. He won. I already admitted. You must have missed it. I, I admitted that you're better than I am. And then if anybody knows how competitive I am, you know how hard that is for me to say. So anyway, let's go back in and finish reading Psalm 144. And I am going to start at the beginning because I think that it's super important um, that, that we get this. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for battle and my fingers for warfare. This, this is what we have to get, you guys, is that there is a way that he is planning to do this. And it is by being willing to be interrupted. It is by being willing to say that my strategy is actually fruitless. The way that I would do this is fruitless. It is scrapping the game plan and being willing to start over and over and over because we are those who will yield to his voice because we are after radical obedience. We are the ones who will look foolish by taking the cart back and getting the one that God said to get in the first place. You know, this is going to serve us. Verse two, he is my faithful love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. He subdues my people under me. Lord, what is a human that you care for him, a son of man that you think of him. A human is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Lord, part your heavens and come down. Touch the mountains and they will smoke. Flash your lightning and scatter the foe. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Reach down from on high, Rescue me from deep water and set me free from the grasp of foreigners whose mouths speak lies, whose right hands are deceptive. Now, don't just read scripture without applying it to what it means to you, right? He's very specific in talking about the Philistines, right? Like he's saying, like, you are greater than them. And they were known to be great, right? Because they had giants. They were known to be great, but David is setting a standard. No matter how great they are, even greater are you. And he starts laying out what he knows is true of God. 
Are you making much more of God than you are yourself? Or are you relying on your own abilities? We are only great because we are in him. We are to live and move and have our being in him. We have to stop acknowledging our ego and start greatly acknowledging him. We have to be willing to be interruptible. And I'm going to tell you something that else that's been going on over the last couple of weeks. And this is increasing daily. The more that I allow myself to be interrupted by a praise break, and that's what I'm calling it because that's what it feels like. I, I suddenly will have this presence come at me. And I know that it's an invitation to acknowledge how great he is. And I, 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 I have learned, I mean, at first I was all like, God, like right now, like there are people, right? And, and I've learned, like I was on the phone the other day and I was like, I have to go. I, I'm steeped in revelation right now. I have to go. And I just, I had to hang up the phone so that I could enter in to a space of praise to offer up worth to who he is right there in that moment. Are you that interruptible right now? Now, what if God would have asked me to do that in the middle of my shopping trip? Would I have stopped what I was doing just to offer up, just to ascribe worth to his name? Are we those people? This is part of radical obedience. And it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Are we willing to play the role of a fool to offer up? worth to the King of Kings. We are not going to, I'm, 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 I'm breaking into my teaching on Sunday. We're talking about majesty on Sunday. So I'm going to just like edge the line there a little bit. We are not going to be able to ascribe worth that is worthy of his majesty. If we do not practice the sacrifice of praise, we can't do it because if we're not interruptible, in our common everyday things, we aren't going to know him better. And if we don't know what his house looks like, we don't know what the kingdom looks like. We have to know what his house looks like in order to know what the kingdom looks like. And that means we have to be willing to ascribe worth at any, any given moment when he comes near and he asks for it. Are we willing to lay everything down and say, I need a praise break? And I'm going all in. You're so worthy, Jesus. You are the one who can move a mountain. You are the one who can lift a mountain from the sea. You are the one that can move anything out of my way. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to ascribe worth? Identify what your mountain is. What are you asking him to move? Don't just utter words. Ascribe worth that is worthy of him in your current situation. What do you want him enthroned over? You know, is that a fair question? What do you want him enthroned over? He has to become the most important thing to us. And we have to be willing to play the role of the fool. Say it with me. I'm a foolish thing. Do you know what he does with foolish things? 
He confounds the wise. I'm a foolish thing. I'm willing to play that role if it means that he is magnified. Right? Okay, let's keep reading. Um, verse 7, reach down from on high, rescue me from deep water and set me free from the grasp of foreigners whose mouths speak lies, who write, whose right hands are deceptive. God, I will sing a new song to you. I will play on a 10-stringed harp for you. The one who gives victory to kings, who frees his servant David from the deadly sword, set me free and rescue me from foreigners whose mouths speak lies, whose right hands are deceptive. Yes. Verse 12, then our sons will be like plants nurtured in their youth. Our daughters like corner pillars that are carved in the palace style. Our storehouses will be full, supplying all kinds of produce. Our flocks will increase by thousands and tens of thousands in our open fields. Our cattle will be well fed. There will be no breach in the walls, no going into captivity, no cry of lament in our public squares. Happy are the people with such blessings. Happy are the people whose God is our Lord. Listen to me very carefully. There is still an addiction issue that is at hand. We still need to be freed from the things that we use to cope with the problems that are surrounding us. We turn to addictive vices before we turn for a praise break. If we continue to make much of the issues all around us by numbing out, choose your addiction. I am not talking about just substance abuse. I am talking about the things that we run to, to escape the issues rather than taking a praise break. Let him come at you with his presence right now and take a praise break and acknowledge his worth. Allow him to be enthroned over the problems that you have so that we can be the people that are saying, then our sons will be like plants nurtured in their youth. Our daughters like corner pillars that are carved in the palace style. Our storehouses will be full, supplying all kinds of produce. Our flocks will increase by thousands and tens of thousands in our open fields. Our cattle will be well fed. There will be no breach in the walls, no going into captivity, and no cry of lament in our public squares. Happy are the people with such blessings. Happy are the people whose God is their Lord. Is he Lord over everything? or just when it's convenient for you. We have to yield. We have to cry, uncle. Robin sang a song a couple weeks ago. And I, Robin, I, if you're still on, I think that it was Psalm 40, was it 46? I don't remember it, but it, put it in the comments if you remember, but that's what it was based out of. And, um, and there's a line in the song that God has been using over and over to speak to me and to speak to other people. But he, it says, um, I will wrestle you and win. Is he allowed to wrestle you and win? It, it, Jacob had to relent. In that scenario, when God stepped out of heaven to come and wrestle him, he intended on winning. Are you willing to yield 
to his victory. We keep doing everything in our own strength and our own effort. Trying to be our own provider. Are you going to allow him to wrestle you and win? The only way that I can see it, the only way through scripture that it's laid out is that he be enthroned. And it is up to us to come underneath his lordship. You know, God who makes the mountains melt, come wrestle us and win. Come on. The God who makes the mountains melt, come wrestle us and win. We know that he is enthroned on the praises of his people. And we have land that needs to be healed. And we also know that in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, it says that if my people will turn, if they will repent from doing it their own way, that's what always got Israel in trouble, doing it their own way. Do you know that the equivalent of them bowing down to Baal was them numbing out and not wanting to acknowledge their problems and the problem solver? It's the same thing, you guys. It is. Can we just be real? Can we just be honest about this? It's the same thing. What are you bowing your knee to? You can either be under the government and the lordship of Jesus Christ, or you can be under the government and the authority of a false god. Whatever you are using to escape your problems right now is what is governing you. It's this simple. God. I'm sorry, I'm wrong, you're right. And right now, I want to learn to yield to your Lordship. Can you show me what that looks like? And then you need to have an honest conversation with yourself. Am I willing to be radically obedient? Will I let him in on every part of my life, even the petty obedience? Right, Jeff? Because if we can't hear him in the little things, we will not be even given the opportunity to steward the big things. That's scripture. Yield to his voice, yield to his invitation to ascribe worth to his name because he wants in. He wants in on your problems. He wants in, he wants to be the solution. Will we be those people? That's the big question. It's training season, right? It is training season. And we need to acknowledge that. We're not going to escape it. And in order to be rightly trained, we need to stop being so busy and yield to his voice. Do the things that he's asking us to do. When you come up against a problem, be willing to share it with those around you because they are likely going to have the solution because what is huge for you is meaningless for them. 
because they've already walked there. They already have the answer. Are you willing to allow community to be real for you? Those are the things that we've talked about. So with that, I will just bless your day. And I bless it with the confrontation of an invitation to praise him. Release real authentic praise unto his name. We need to practice this. And it will it will be awkward because we aren't used to it. It is stretching us and it is necessary if we are going to have the right strategy to walk in and win. We have to learn to obey his voice in the little things. Learn to yield and release praise. Just start with something simple. You are massive. Acknowledge how big he is. Even saying, I hear your voice right now. And start describing what does his voice feel like to you? That's what David is doing throughout all of the Psalms. He's being honest about his issues. And then he's, he's, he's saying, this is what it's like to be yours. The victory is already ours. We are already co-seated. We are already co-heirs. It's just a matter of what are we going to do about it, right? Okay. Love you guys. We'll talk soon.